It's time for Breaking Bread with Papa. Hey! Don't you know? Hey! It's our goal. Hey! It's time for Breaking Bread with Papa. Hey! Don't you know? Hey! It's also a show. Hey! Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Breaking Bread with Tom Papa. I'm Tom Papa. Thank you for joining us once again. We have an amazing episode. They keep getting better. They just keep getting better. Or at least I'm just having more fun. I don't know. It's just we have great guests coming up. Today, we have Pig Beach Barbecue. Come on now. Pig Beach Barbecue. Uh, they have a new cookbook, Pig Beach Barbecue Cookbook. Very easy. Matt Abadu and Shane McBride. They are two guests today that come on and we talk all things barbecue. You're going to want this book. If you have any interest in getting your barbecue game in line, this is the book for you. Today's episode is brought to you by TomPapa.com. This weekend, Saturday, the 16th of July, I will be at the Borgata in Atlantic City. Few tickets are left, but I think you can still get to the Jersey Shore and come see me, hang out at the boardwalk, get yourself some taffy, maybe some fudge, and uh, go over to the Borgata. Last time we were there, had an amazing show, and that was actually the show that I thought that I was uh, going to get COVID, because I signed a bunch of books. This was, you know, at least six months ago. And I stood in the lobby, and I'm in the casino, and I was like, oh, this is when I get COVID. Never got it at that point. Got it, I don't know, eight months later, six months later, whatever it is. Uh, did not get it there. Such a great show. It was too joyful. I was just like, I'm going to the lobby. I'm signing books. This is going to be great. So this uh, Saturday night, uh, July 16th, we will be uh, doing it again. So if you're in that neck of the woods, or you want to go travel and do something fun for the summer, go see it. Also, I have a whole bunch of clubs coming up because I'm shooting my new Netflix special uh, the end of September, beginning October. I'll have an announcement on that very soon. Um, but I lined up a bunch of clubs in Brea, Salt Lake City, um, Tempe, uh, someone else in there somewhere. Go to TomPapa.com, look up all of the dates. Uh, we're rocking all over the place. So as of this recording, um, I just got off the grill uh, doing a, I have a gas grill and I was hosting people for the 4th of July and we were just, I loaded it up. I had lots of good meats. I had good burgers. I had good dogs. I had good veggie of both of those. I had some bratwurst, some steaks at the bottom of the cooler that never even got touched because people were just all about just celebrating that barbecue thing. And I, you know, look, they all came out great. I liked standing there. It was for like two hours just working the grill and everybody comes in and drifts in and drinks and I get to fire some stuff up. But you read this book, you read the Pig Beach Barbecue Cookbook. Uh, look up Pig Beach if you're not familiar with them. They've got a great joint out of, uh, out of Brooklyn. They're opening in Palm Beach. They're all over the place and they're growing and all of their sauces and things are available online. And Shane and Matt are just two culinary 
stars, just brilliant guys with a really great background. And then they hook up in New York and they start winning all these barbecue competitions and the rest is history. And Pig Beach is quickly becoming a uh, household name in the barbecue world. And they call it actually the barbecue family because all of the people, and we've had several on the podcast who achieve it, they all kind of run into each other, see each other, share each other's secrets and keep pushing it forward. And this book is kind of like a Bible. It really gets into everything that you need, anything, all the information you could possibly want. The type of smokers, the type of wood, the type of equipment, the type of meat. It's so in-depth. So the entire time I'm sitting at the grill, which is a gas grill, gets fired up, it's doing a great job. I have in the back of my head, this isn't what the Pig Beach guys do. This, there's no smoke involved. There's no mesquite involved. There's no hardwoods. There's no smoking. This hasn't been smoking this pork shoulder for 12 hours. Uh, but there are things in life, kids. You got to kind of pick where you're going to spend your time. If I were to go into this whole barbecue world whole hog, <laughs> see what I did there, uh, it would take the equal investment that I have in baking and bread and Italian cooking, it would take all of the equipment, all of the time, all of the research, all of the books, all of the thing. Will this nudge me in the direction? Yes. Will I go all in? I don't think so. Not where I live, not at this time. Maybe in the future, maybe when I run out of LA because there's no more water and I end up living in upstate New York and I have a ton of land and have my bread baking stone ovens and then I've got my big smokers in the yard. Maybe that could be a chapter of the life. I don't know. Frank the Pug just running through the mountains. <laughs> it could happen. But it is a good book to have if you really want to get into it and if you just want to keep some tips on point. While we were doing it, there was some dry rubs and things that I got into and, and used just for the barbecue, just to, I, I know it's not pure, it's not, it's not smoke, it's a gas grill, but it was, everybody was very happy. The only thing still trying to wrap my head around is grilling veggie for the peoples. I'm all for it. I like it. I'm not going to question how you eat. But uh, if you put on a couple veggie burgers, you need people to eat them immediately. <laughs> if they st I served one to my friend. Nobody else was taking yet. So they just kind of stayed. I put them even on the cooler part of the grill. And man, to see what those become... You know how you eat nachos and you, after the first 15 minutes it starts to coagulate and you're like, oh, geez, that's what I ate? This giant scab of chips <laughs> is what I just ate? Same thing with veggie, veggie burgers and veggie dogs. Let them just go for a little bit and let them cool off and you're like, oh, this is not really food. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's get to the conversation. I think you're going to really love Shane and Matt. We get into a lot of it. I don't want to uh, give away too much. Just know that they were uh, really fun to talk to. The book is really worth it. Pig Beach Barbecue, barbecue Cookbook. And uh, enjoy. 
Well, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on the book. It is, uh, it is quite a, an effort. It is, it's so solid. I have to, I, you know, I've interviewed a lot of different barbecue folk and have gone down this road before, but this is the most thorough and the most inventive, I would say. Well, thank this, you so much for saying that. That's, that's a, kind of exactly what we we're hoping to do. So that really makes us very happy to hear that that has been the way it's been portrayed and how you took it. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, really, really well done. And uh, I want to get into your backstory and all that good stuff. But I just, you know, I'm, I, I'm a bread baker. And I know when I started that journey, there is that thing of like, as soon as you crack open a new area and it comes with all of the tools and all of the ovens and all of the gadgets and all of the things that you need and you just start to accumulate and you start to take over half of your kitchen and make your wife angry uh <laughs> your book totally has that it, it's very contagious you start looking at you're like you know i really have to start barbecuing some more i'm, I'm gonna need a, sn- a smoker i'm gonna need some of these papers i'm gonna need tinfoil i'm gonna need saran wrap i'm gonna need <laughs> i'm gonna need industrial strength uh spatulas and uh, I literally had to stop myself last night and walk away from the book because I was like, I don't know if my if my marriage can handle this. <laughs> well, we certainly want to set you up for success, whatever your barbecue you are doing. And, and you pretty much hit the nose on the head, right? With all those tools and equipment needs uh, <laughs> yeah. to get the job done like a professional, but just doing it at home. Yeah. Don't go, don't go to a restaurant supply store with your house, with your wife. Then. <laughs> I know. Yeah, right. Exactly. You'll be, in, you'll be in deep doo-doo. If you do yeah. That. All right, so back to your your original story. Let's like this. It's it's such a cool story because you both have uh, you, you both have a, this incredible incredible culinary background, but then you also have these kind of different journeys that brings you to barbecue. Uh, so Shane, why don't why don't you start with uh, the story that you tell in the book? Well, I did. Uh, I started cooking in South Florida, which where Matt and I are sitting right now in my hometown, West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, we're opening a restaurant here, so it's kind of oh. cool. Uh, I started cooking down here. Um, I worked for some really great people that put me on a really great path. Um, moved. I went to Culinary Institute of America. Uh, we both did. Um, moved to New York City. My goal in life uh, at one point was to work at a restaurant called Les Benos, which back in the day was the kind of top of the heap uh, in fancy fine dining. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did work there. I worked there for five years. Um, and it was, you know, a magical experience. Very yeah. super high-end French fine dining. Right. Uh, then I went on to work for some other, you know, I worked for Tom Clicko and had my own restaurant. Um uh, Ultimately, started working for Keith McNally, doing the Balthazar stuff. Uh, kind of all the while, when I was working for Clickio, one of my best friends, uh, he was Tom's corporate chef at the time, Damon Wise, and I started making barbecue, having fun with barbecue. We started competing in barbecue, started a team, went to Memphis in May. The bug bit us. You know, yeah. It became a very expensive hobby, um, <laughs> doing Balthazar, cooking uh, barbecue, and then I... I uh, met our partner, Rob Schwager, um, who was uh, a regular at Balthazar. Uh, I knew I knew Matt uh, when I worked yeah. for in the Colicchio world. He was in Del Posto, which is right next door. So yes. we knew each other back before we cooked with each other. Um, 
And then Rob kind of Rob kind of brought us all together. Rob right. Rob connected the dots. Uh, I had a competitive team. He and Matt had started the competitive barbecue team, and he had the opportunity to take over a parking lot in Brooklyn. And the rest is history. Here we are talking to you. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Now there's so many there's so many little uh, little side shoots in that. Um, you when you say in the book that you started there was a, just a couple uh, barbecue joints in. Palm Beach, which people don't really think of Palm Beach as a barbecue mecca. It's well, it's, it's not. It's, <laughs> it still isn't. And that's kind of the cool thing about this, just in general terms, is uh, you know when you guys team up and you go to these competitions and you start, you take second at first, and then you you start winning, and it's like these you know two guys coming from the fancy schmancy Balthazar del Posto New York world and uh, some Italian heritage and all the rest of it, and you just roll in. That's kind of the cool thing about food right now is that if it, it doesn't really, as long as you have skills and passion and you really dive into it, I mean, I don't know. I'm, there, there may have, they may have taken you to the parking lot and wanted to talk with you city boys. <laughs> <laughs> After you won. Yeah. Well, the was like a record screeching when they announced the team from New York City getting up on stage for first place and, you know, second place or whatever. Have yeah. You. Yeah. What's amazing about the barbecue world is that in our culinary journeys, we've never really come across a more loving, hospitable group of people yeah. than the, the, the family that we call the barbecue family. And, and we say that word a lot. Within mm-hmm. our book, we say that word a lot in our everydays because it's just yeah. when you meet these people, they're just some of the most incredible people on the planet. They're there for you at a moment's notice if you need them. They're always there to encourage, to help, to support. And we've been very blessed to become very close to many of these great legends in the barbecue world, like the Tuffy Stones and the Chris Lillies and the John Wheelers and the list goes on and on. They're all their names are in the book. Yeah. All these amazing people that really took us in and kind of gave us a little bit of their barbecue tutelage of tips and tricks and ideas you know can't forget uh skip Steele and kelly dallas as well yeah i mean to have those guys be a part of our journey it is what's very appealing i mean because that's really what that what the barbecue culture is just hanging for hours people roll in and out of the yard and you crack open a beer and you just kind of family comes by and it just has that that thing that is so distinct and so it's so joyful i mean it just it really just pulls people in in a way that other parts of restaurants and food don't really do. I mean, they do, but not. This is a different. This is a different. Well, there, thing. There's something special about barbecue, right? And, yeah. and one of the reasons why I've always taken such a great draw towards it is because I always saw these crazy correlations within the Italian culture and the barbecue culture, right? Right. Grandma would spend all day Sunday from waking up at five o'clock in the morning to get her big pot of Sunday sauce working yeah. to bring the entire family to the table around four to have a big early dinner drinking wine, having snacks throughout the day. Yep. And she made a big feast to bring a lot of people together. Barbecue is the same thing. You're cooking yeah. for hours and hours and hours, long, low and slow cooking. And most items that you cook in barbecue are by design. They cook for a lot of people. Yeah. So what do you want to do? You're going to have people over, break some bread, have some drinks, a beer, a cocktail, whatever have you, while you're cooking this big feast. And then yeah. the culmination of it ending brings family, friends and loved ones together. And what's better than that? Yeah, it really is. It really is so great. And you have you have the Italian side to you, right? I do. I'm half Italian, half Lebanese. So I was very blessed with my my growing up of having this yeah. amazing food culture 
God. I've always been told the manja or sachtain. It, you know, basically, <laughs> I've just been a happy fat kid. It just loved eating and loved food. Oh my God, I'm Italian, and I married a. Uh, my wife is Lebanese. All and, right. Uh, yeah, and so we we've kind of created what you <laughs> what you grew up with. I am. Yeah, oh, I love man. it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it really. Uh, yeah, it's just insane. I literally just before I got on with you guys, I was like, I had to put some bread into the fridge, and I was like, oh shit, I have these meatballs from Sunday. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna eat these a little later. Man, I wish All I right. had some meatballs from Sunday. Destroy those right now. I know it's so insane. All right, so let let me. Um, I'm gonna make this. Um, I'm gonna make this a little uh, a little personal. Uh, oh, I was going to make it personal just in, in barbecue, and then I'm going to have you guide me kind of through what I could possibly do around my house. Um, but, Shane, I have to say, uh, Del Posto is one of my favorite places on earth. Oh, sure. I, oh I'm sorry. You were Del Posto. I was. was Del Posto. Okay, I'm sorry. And you were next door. That's okay. Right, right. Was you were at Clicchio next Clicchio door. Clicchio and Sons across. Clicchio. Gotcha, gotcha. My apologies. Uh, Del Posto, holy cow. We had some great, great nights at Del Posto. Yeah, it's and- quite, it was quite the spectacular place where uh, our goal when, when we were there through Mark Ladner's vision was create dinner if you're having it at grandma's house. Mm-hmm. But if grandma just happened to be Italian royalty. So we wanted you to walk in those doors and have that. <laughs> Big warm hug of grandma with all the love that. and all. No, that, yeah, that was that. that was our jam. Yeah. Oh. Have all that love and warm and affection of coming to grandma's house to have this big glorious feast. But if grandma just happened to be Italian royalty and had the most elegant china, <laughs> silverware, and linens and napkins and curtains and carpets and chairs and tables and the whole gamut of stuff yeah. that made that place truly special and and what it was. Oh my God, it was so amazing and one of my great <laughs> nights in comedy. Uh, of was I opened for Jerry Seinfeld in Long Island when he was returning to stand up comedy. Get out, really? Yeah. That's and awesome. Then, and then we drove in through a snowstorm back into Manhattan with Jerry and his manager, George Shapiro, the late, great George Shapiro. And this is like, I can't believe I just worked with Jerry. And then I followed him in my car, followed him and his Porsche in, back into Manhattan. And no one was around because it was, you know, a storm was coming. And we got into Balthazar. And we sat at Balthazar. We we're the only people there. Like people were just kind of leaving, but they just they let Jerry stay at the table, and my wife and I, and Jerry and George. And the snow is falling. And after just running around New York like a little rat, doing stand up for so long, and now I'm sitting at Balthazar with Jerry and George, and the and those beautiful picturesque things. I mean, Balthazar is just a jewel box in its own. And just yeah, the lighting there makes everybody look good. Oh my God, that was that was how you always. <laughs> yeah, I mean, holy cow! So I mean, both of those spots meant uh, meant so much to me, and and not just in a uh, in a tourist way, just a living in New York, kind of grinding it out, and you get these little rewards at moments. So yeah. uh, I want to thank yeah. both of you for that. They're both magical places. Yeah, so magical. All right, so I am sitting here in Los Angeles, California. I have a yard, and I've got a a, a kitchen that's pretty well stocked. And but I have a gas grill out back. Right. Uh, so first question, for those of us that have these gas grills that are put in, should we just get a side, a side smoker, a side grill if we're going to, crack open your book and start 
Making some pork shoulder. Well, here's the great thing about our book is that there's recipes that can be done with a gas grill. There's recipes that can be done with a Weber kettle. There's recipes that can be done with a smoker. Mm-hmm. And then Shane and I talk a lot about smokers and how you can go from yeah. burning a Weber kettle into that sort of smoker pit and gradually working your way up the proverbial chain of how much money or time you want to invest into these amazing devices and machines. Yeah. But if you just have a gas grill, there's a whole chapter on grilling in the cookbook, which is really great and, and focused on the people that have just a gas grill at home. But if you're, if you have that barbecue bug, we would both encourage anybody to start looking in. Cause you can now get some pretty affordable home smokers where you can have a lot of fun and, and uh, you know, only spend like a couple hundred bucks and you don't have to have a huge, huge financial commitment to it mm-hmm. as sort of an entry level way of working yourself into that barbecue universe. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, you can really just buy a, a Weber uh, kettle, like a regular old school yeah. Weber drum. Like $119. Yeah. From you can go to Ace Hardware and buy one of those. Yeah. And you can do what I do. I go buy them at the end of summer when they're on sale. Yeah. Good for the next year. Um, right. But that's, that's all you need. If you have a gas grill and you have that Weber kettle thing, you can cook barbecue it just takes a practice it's time and practice that's what i tell people right biggest commitment to making great barbecue is your time right there's so no sh- it, there's no shortcut around it oh you can't <laughs> there's no speeding up a 12-hour cook it, it is right. what it is you know <laughs> yeah yeah just when i was reading the the uh the recipe for the pork shoulder and you're like all right, so you're starting off. The first the first step is four hours, <laughs> and then you're wrapping it up. That actually is the most mind blowing thing for me. I know it's so stupid, but that you could put saran wrap. Uh, you can wrap the pork shoulder or wrap anything in the saran wrap and put and and the uh, I guess the butcher paper and put it back, and it's not going to melt. Yeah, that was one of the best tricks that was uh, first taught to me uh, from legendary Skip Steele of Happy's. A smokehouse in St. Louis. And the cool thing is, is that we were doing that for a very long time in our fancy restaurants. Uh-huh. We just weren't putting it in a smoke. It would be like you take a hotel pan that might have a lasagna or something in it. You put plastic wrap over the top and foil over the top of that. And as long as the temperature of the oven never exceeded 275 degrees, the plastic would never melt. Yeah. And yet it created this perfect, like almost sous vide effect of like the plastic shrink wrapping to the, to the meat keeping all those juices in. It's a really spectacular trick that really helps keep your pork shoulders super juicy. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I know. I was just like, wait, that's going to melt, isn't it? And then you called out. That's that. I was like, oh, man, I love this book already. <laughs> just from that. It was like, I just, I just learned one stupid thing. I'm all excited. But the smoker thing, too, very exciting. I mean, you start listing out the different types of smokers. I mean... It's pretty extensive. It really is. Uh, yeah, that was a little tiny bit too of what's for available. real. Oh yeah. Oh, there's so, the market right now. I mean, barbecuing, smoking meats, fish. I mean, it's it's a really in fad thing right now. And I mean, any you go to any hardware store and they have their complete gambit array of whether they're stick burners or pellet smokers or electrical yeah. smokers. Like almost every place you go has a version of a of a barbecue pit. Yeah, which is cool because it makes it really accessible for everybody. If they want to get into this game, you now can sure. do it. This is, you know, ten years ago, maybe there were some gas grills and Weber kettles. Yeah, but there wasn't nearly the amount of smokers that are on the market as it were today. With the are the pedal are the are the um, uh, the pellet ones any good? I know uh, I I do Rogan's uh, podcast a lot, and uh, 
I know Traeger's always talking. To, he's always Tra- Traeger's a very big brand, and one of the great things about pellet smokers that I personally love is that they make it very, very easy to do a cook. So pellet smokers, you plug them in. They have an electrical thermostat and a gear that basically feeds a fire with those pellets as necessary, and a fan that blows it really, really high when the heat needs to go up and turns the fan off or puts it on low when the heat needs to maintain or go down. So what's great about pellet smokers is that you're basically cooking with a thermostat and you can more or less set it and forget it and have a lot more time like enjoying yourself, entertaining, or you could even put a pork shoulder in at night and wake up the following morning and have it be ready for you. Now, the the adverse thing of a pellet smoker is one would argue that you're not necessarily getting as great of a smoke flavor mm. from pellets, which are essentially compressed sawdust versus if you're burning chunks or logs or like nice fresh wood, right? But you're still going to get incredibly delicious barbecue. So it's really mm. one of the things that Shannon and I talk a lot about in the book and in a lot of these interviews, it's, it's really what you want to commit to. If you want to commit to doing barbecue where you don't have to work all that hard or stay up all night, mm. pellet smokers are fabulous. If you want to have more of an authentic experience, you can get an offset, stick burner smoker and do and get something like a laying where you're fire fueling it in like charcoal and sticks or chunks of wood throughout the night, but right. that requires consistent continual maintenance. Yeah. So it's kind of whatever's within your budget and whatever sort of experience you want to have when cooking mm. to, to make it what's whatever is best for you. Right. Right. When you put, when you say like using a, using a Weber, are you going coal with that or do you, would you use wood in that? No, nope, you would start off with charcoal. Um, yeah. One of the biggest things that Shane is definitely a huge proponent of is if you are going to use charcoal, make sure you go and buy yourself a chimney basket to light the charcoal with first. They're like 20 bucks. You can get them. Uh-huh. Um, there's no better way of starting charcoal than using one of those. Never, no, ever no use. No lighter fluid. Yeah. Never, no ever lighter use fluid. fluid. Yeah. Never, never ever, ever. that that imposes on the food is, is horrific. Does you want to burn down your neighbor's house? <laughs> then, you, then you go buy some lighter <laughs> for the purpose of that <laughs> and, and have um, a couple of beers before you light it up that's right and also don't ever buy charcoal briquettes that have like the pre-lighter fluid stuff on them uh-huh. when, that, when that burns it gives a very very harsh aroma and flavor that's not pleasant for the food and the meat. Got so once it. Get, basically the best and easiest way of setting up a weber kettle is you do what's called offset cooking Mm-hmm. where you would stack your charcoal after it's lit on one side of the smoker. Above that, you would put some form of water pan to help diffuse the heat and create moisture in the chamber. And then you'd put the meat or whatever it is you're cooking, not over the coals, but on the other side where there are no coals. Mm-hmm. And then you adjust the vents in the cooker to create sort of like a uh, convection style airflow. Right. It gives the smoke and the heat, but it's not direct over the coals. It's offset. So it's not getting that direct heat. And you've created sort of a smoking chamber in a Weber kettle. And then while those charcoal is burning, you're adding chips or chunks to it to create that smoke, that beautiful cherry or hickory or oak smoke to the meats or whatever it is that you want to do. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. There's there's a reason why those Weber grills come with all those different racks. Right. Everybody's like, what do I do with all these racks? That's what it's for. It's for setting up to do barbecue like that. Got it. Got it. This is very exciting. How is, uh, how's pig beach going? Big Beach is great. I mean, the Brooklyn and Queens are, you know, thankfully, Queens is finally open after the pandemic. Nice. Uh, Brooklyn is running back at almost pre-pandemic numbers, which is awesome. amazing. Um, you know, we had our struggle just like everybody else. We yeah. went from 100 employees to six. Wow. Um, you're looking at two of the six right here. <laughs> yep. Jeez. So, 
it was it was a it was it was a struggle but we're back uh the restaurants are doing great obviously we talked we're down in west palm beach florida opening up our third location and then um hopefully by the end of the year we'll have one in louisville kentucky as well wow that's amazing that really is amazing how much of your success is your sauces how much of your success is your is your your rubs your sauces i mean it that part was very extensive and it was like, holy shit, this is like, I really like I, it, you could experiment if you're on your own looking at this cookbook, it, it, it could give you a lifetime of stuff that you could make really. I yeah. mean, just from, just from that chapter, you're like, this is going to, this would take some time to, uh, to get through. Yeah. Well, that's another big fun thing about barbecue is that you can really like in our book, there's so many different recipes and things that we encourage everyone to cook and to try, yeah. but just like, Italian grandma, you know, everyone has specific taste profiles and things that they love and enjoy. So we hope that the book in that particular section is sort of like a groundwork foundation to say, these are our versions of making a Carolina style vinegar sauce or a Carolina mustard sauce or a Kansas city style, sweet, sticky sauce, but have fun with it. If you want a little bit more molasses and a little less brown sugar and just like tweak levels here or there and make it your own, uh, that's what we super and, and strongly encourage people to do. Um, the sauce program for us has been something that's been really great for the restaurants. Personally, we've been working for many years trying to get our stuff packaged up in retail bottles, uh, yeah. for retail, and we get it done in five gallon jugs for restaurant use, which helps to keep our consistency across the restaurant locations of having our rubs and our sauces being bulk made commercially. Mm-hmm. So that every location is getting the exact same stuff just helps to make the ease of opening and cross training and getting these restaurants up and running to be the same. Right. Would I be considered a cheater if I just bought all your sauces and then no just way. concentrated on smoking it? it? No, you'd yeah. be an incredible human if you wanted to do all that. I think it's fabulous. <laughs> so you go to com, click the shop button, and you'll see all of our sauces available and rubs available on our website there. Or you can pop in any one of the locations, and we have it there as well. What's the yeah. most popular sauce? I think probably our world, our two-time world champion Big Beach Barbecue Mustard Sauce is probably the one we sell the most of. Yeah. Uh, but we also get a lot of people get excited about the uh, Rob's Righteous Red, which is a little bit more of a non-conventional sauce. It's got some really interesting flavor profiles and flavor notes to it, mm-hmm. while being still being that sort of sweet, sticky, Kansas City kind of red sauce, but with a little bit more sort of pizzazz behind it. But right. We also do a great sauce that was a play on one of Shane's favorite barbecue joints, really the one and only barbecue joint that was down here growing up, um, an ode to Blue Front Barbecue. But I'll let Shane share that story. Yeah, so it was a place in West Palm Beach where it was kind of the only barbecue. And the story goes way back in the day, the guy used to cook in his front yard. And if you brought him an empty Coke bottle, he would fill up your Coke bottle of barbecue sauce. And then it turned into a very busy restaurant that unfortunately uh, closed and had a fire and family arguments and blah, 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 blah. But that was where my... I tried to replicate that barbecue sauce for years, it, right. even in fine dining. I used it in fine dining. On, wow! On, so, <laughs> I like your story. I like the I like the uh, I like the Florida um, hangover element to uh, <laughs> to, to the story, really, because it really brought me back to when you're just you're you're having fun and you're getting all drunk, and then that next morning, you just need. What did you say? You just need a lot of meat, a lot yeah, of barbecue protein meat. Protein and caffeine. And, yeah, just sodas. Yep. That was Sunny's Barbecue, Gainesville, Florida. 
Yeah, so great. It really, there, there are those moments when everybody has those things that they latch on to after the those. Idea. Protein and caffeine. Yeah, Protein and caffeine. Yeah, that's got to be on a menu somewhere. Definitely in, the, definitely in the Florida location. <laughs> hey, are you making fun of Florida people? <laughs> I love Florida people. We did. <laughs> people, we did, Florida. They know, they know how to, if nothing else, they know how to have a good time. For sure. That is, that is 100% for sure. Yeah. Uh, is it is it after Culinary Institute and going into barbecue, do you feel like uh, if you had just slid straight into barbecue, it would have been a different experience? Like you bring so many, so much knowledge to this world. I guess my question is, did it improve everything? Like, is that why you were able to like start scoring at these competitions really early because you had a little bit more of a working knowledge of what needed to be done? I, I would say, yes. I think there's two paths within the barbecue world right now in day and age. It's either a generational thing where my dad's dad's dad barbecued and passed right. it down. We might have a barbecue restaurant in the town that we grew up in. That's just been there for the last hundred years. And it's just part of that culture and the lifestyle, which is beautiful and romantic and amazing. And these are some of the guys that we've had a chance to learn from that arguably make some of the best barbecue on the planet. Yeah. Or there's the path where you go and you're, you become a classically trained chef, or if you're not going to culinary school, you're working your way through a hard knock school of just restaurant to restaurant. And you one day say, Hey, I got this bug. Like so many of us get and having that culinary knowledge, I think certainly helped me personally yeah. understand the whole process behind like what low temperature cooking involves and how meat reacts and proteins react to all that kind of stuff. Right. I certainly think it helped me a lot to learn it much quicker mm-hmm. than most, but still it's one of those things where it, the, the best way to get better is just to practice and continue to do over and over and over again, regardless of how much experience you might have prior, because there are some things that are very unique to barbecue that um, require you actually just get yourselves in the pits. Right. Like what? What do you mean? Just the feel of it. Like in order, like the best way to tell when a rack of ribs is done is by feeling it. Like to Mm -hmm. know that if those bones are starting to wiggle or if the rack meat starts to pull apart when you give it gentle pressure, you know, it's cooked. I mean, you you can train somebody and give them a very sort of specific idea of uh, having a digital instrument thermometer is probably the number one most uh, tip that I give yeah. to give people the most, uh, you know, best way of knowing when their barbecue is cooked or when it's ready to be wrapped or when it's still raw kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but just being in there and, you know, it's, it's that, that famous quote from the matrix. I think it was, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Uh-huh. Sometimes you actually have to be within that area to really wrap your arms around it completely to, to just do it exceptionally right. well. To know if it's ridiculous. No, if it's ridiculous, for sure. I like that. <laughs> Good. So tell me about your head right now. I mean, you're, you have, your, your restaurants are back up. You've got this amazing cookbook that's going to help spread the word. I mean, it really, I, this is going to be successful because it's just, it's like a Bible. It really is. Thank it's, you. it's not just, you know, there's, there's times where you get stuff and you're like, oh, there's a couple recipes in this. This is one that's going to have like lots of sauce marks on it and stuff and stick around for people. That's what we want. Yeah, it really, yeah. it's going to be like, it's going to be like that. But where is your head right now? I mean, this is a stressful business. You've got, you've survived the pandemic. 
you're poking in and, and opening up this spot. Uh, when does this spot open? It's open. Oh, it's open. Yeah, tomorrow night it's our grand opening. Holy cow. Okay, so... Matt and I were arguing about that before we got on the... Discussing. Discussing. Discussing if you were going to open or not? No, just find our points of what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, this is a new system here for us, what we're doing. So yeah, there's a little bit of uh, experimentation going on. If you will. <laughs> okay, that's a good way to put it. So we're, you know, it's trying to get it, get it all squared up. Yeah. How do you both, how do you manage the stress of this business? This thing that you're doing right now, I mean, this is, this is, this is uh a very this is a big moment if you're having your grand opening tomorrow and you got all these other things going on and you got your online business and uh how do you not kill each other and how do you manage the stress because there's the joy of cooking that got you into it in the whole beginning and now it's running this giant monster uh how do you keep the joy while you've got all of these zillion decisions to make on a well, daily basis? I think basis? The, the first and foremost is we love, we love doing what we do. Mm-hmm. We, love, we, love, hours. we love cooking. We love putting smiles on people's faces. I genuinely love this human being sitting next to me. He's one of the most talented chefs I've ever had the pleasure of working with and knowing. Yeah. And I'm always learning something new from him every single day. So that always keeps it fun. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, the restaurant industry is filled with stress. It's filled with anxiety. It's filled with uncertainty. It's filled with lots of things that could go wrong. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you're able to sit on the one foundation of we're doing this because we love to do it and we're doing it to put smiles on people's faces and make them happy through our art and our craft of what we're really proud of and what we do, I think the rest of the stuff sorts of fades away and ends up falling into place through mm-hmm. the good leadership and the good programming and the good experience of the team that we have behind us. Yeah. But for me personally, um, I manage my stress probably similar to most where – I like eating uh, junk food like cookies and Swedish fish and just like hugging my kids makes nice. and my wife makes me uh, <laughs> have that sort of stress melt away. So I'll go home tonight. I'll get home probably around 11 o'clock at night, maybe a little later. Yeah. And uh, if my kids are sleeping and my wife's asleep, I'll probably sit on the couch, have a couple cookies, glass of milk and just think about what uh, I'm doing tomorrow. Oh, that's awesome. Good perspective. I like other things. Yeah. What do you this do? As a brown, brown drinker. I like <laughs> brown wine. I like, I like whiskey. Uh huh. A bourbon nerd. Uh, oh yeah. I'm like red wine. I'm a red wine nerd. Oh, I'm yeah. a wine nerd. Period. Yeah. Um, what reds are you drinking now? Uh, I had a really good burly Cabernet Sauvignon last night. That was fantastic. Nice. Um, and we had a, we, they had the liquor store when we were kind of getting stuff to test for the restaurant had Inglenook on sale, which I was like, whoa, the good Inglenook, not the cheap. Yeah. Uh-huh. I bought some of those. And I like I like Cali Caps. I like bigger wines. Generally. Oh, yeah. 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 Those are good. And you can dip cookies in them. Yes, you can. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's not opposed to doing that either. A little Vinsanto and Biscotti. Yeah. Sign me up. I would uh, or Cantucci, however, wherever you are in Italy. One thing that uh, you know, it's a funny story. It just happened the other day. Uh, The way that Matt and I work together is there is a there is definitely a a really great chemistry. Um, We both have been doing what we've been doing for a very long time. That makes it easier to work with people. Mm -hmm. But we had to go do a cooking demo (laughs) in Washington D.C. We tried to switch some flights around. to come home early and uh we 
got to Atlanta and our flight got canceled and I was magically able to book a rental car and we drove home from Atlanta to West Palm Beach. So we were awake for 30 some odd hours each. And we didn't yeah. kill, we didn't kill each other. You know, we uh-huh. bought a we bought a hundred dollars worth of snacks <laughs> and sodas. Nice. <laughs> and we got in a car and drove for nine hours. That is uh, true. The, the cashier at the quickie mart I mean, looked at us like, "What? <laughs> how many people can do that?" Right? That's like, there's like husband and wives that can't do that. Right? Oh man! No, absolutely. <laughs> Mountain yeah. Dew, Diet Cokes, Takis. What else do we get? A hundred dollars yeah. worth of crap it's gets you home hysterical. at nine hours. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, I got my Twizzlers. I was happy with those. I always say that. That's always a great way to to know whether or not this is a relationship that can go the distance. Just travel. Just yeah. travel with that person. This is not the first time that kind of stuff has happened with no. us. So. Yeah, yeah. Much no, better cause... driver than me, too, so he always likes to drive, which is great <laughs> for me because I'm, I'm happy to talk uh, with you and play my Candy Crush. Yeah. <laughs> my brain for a moment. We're actually like two old, like an old couple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kind of just kind of picking at each other you know exactly what each other's shortcomings he's are driving, i'm like what are you doing yeah. oh my god he's like oh, nice. <laughs> well this is very exciting i thank you so much for being here the book also the photography in it a shout out to yeah. who to the photographer yeah, shout outs to ken goodman, ken goodman who is our photographer and our food stylist katie stilo and anthony contrino and our um our writer judy choate yeah. For just putting together this really special book that we're, I mean, look at that. How cool is that picture? God, that picture of the fire and the smoke and the wood. Oh my God. Yeah. It's the That's book at is- our good friend, John Morgan's house too. Yeah. We got to use his collection of smokers. Re- oh, really? He's got a collection He's got of smokers? A collection of them, like 40 plus smokers. Oh my God. See, this is it. This is the problem with this whole thing is that you yeah, start. Yeah, you get the blog, you... and then next thing you know, you end up having 40 smokers. <laughs> like, what did I just do? <laughs> I know. He also created a television show around barbecue. So, yeah. He, get, but... he, gets, he gets first looks at a lot of those things. Yeah, he can, he can write it off. Yeah. Well, this is very inspiring. I think as I'm, uh, as I'm rolling into the weekend, uh, you've, you've given me a lot of little baby steps, which again, I, I, I do hesitantly because i know this is going to be very addicting i wish you all the luck in the world with the new spot thank you so much get back to it i hope uh i hope uh everything goes well enjoy your uh, your big cabernets and your big cookies and i thank shall you. we shall indeed <laughs> and thank you and i hope you survive and maybe we can run into each other in new york sometime that would be i uh, love that please absolutely. let us know if you're ever around we'd love to love to show you the spots all right that would be great good luck all right, thanks, thanks so much, Papa. You have a All great right. day. Good one. All right, you too. We'll right. see you again. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. There you go. That's perfect timing for the summertime, right? Get yourself some mesquite chips. Build up something in the yard. Get a smoker. Get the, your little Weber. It's funny. After I after that, we did have the uh, interview, and I was... In, uh, where was I? I was in like a supermarket kind of an area. Oh, yeah, just like a Pavilions, which is a, I don't know if it's nationwide, but out here, just a regular supermarket. And they had tiny Webers. And I was like, oh, they're on to it. They know. Uh, I could just get that and put that on the side. And that, nah. So I hope you do it. I hope you participate. Get the book. Look it up. Just just get it. Just keep it handy. And when the inspiration hits you, you'll get it. And also go to their uh, website uh, at Pig Beach 
barbecue and uh, pick up their sauces and stuff because, you know, like I said, sometimes you just buy stuff that other people made. Sometimes you make it yourself. Either way, enjoy your summer. Keep listening, keep uh, passing on and liking and doing all that stuff that you're supposed to do to support the podcast. You guys are the best. We'll see you next week.